Everybody, welcome into Quick Hitter Episode Four, and this time I brought a guest. Join joining me today is Matt Williams. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Williams, but it's M A T T W I seven seven I A M S. He is the host of the Turn Two Podcast and DFS Statistics or DF Statistics. Ah, that threw me off the way it's spelled. And the founder of Roto Fanatic, uh, and obviously a good friend of mine. Welcome to the show, and this is going to be pretty much all about you today, man. Uh, I'm flattered. I, I have my own show uh, on on someone else's show. This is great. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, we, there's definitely been weirder things, I guess. But again, <laughs> this is and for those who might be new to listening or whatnot, this is called Quick Hitter because this is all about hitters. I'm pitchers have their own five minute, ten minute pods. Pitchers have all the love, but hitters need love too. And I know Matt will agree because Matt and I are big hitting hitter analysis guys. So I couldn't help but get my first guest to be a hitter analysis person. With that said, first thing we're going to talk about is Gavin Lux. He was optioned to the taxi squad. What the heck, man? What is your take on that as a whole? It actually surprised me. Uh, this actually shocked me. Maybe it shouldn't have. The, Do- the Dodgers, I know, it shouldn't have. The Dodgers <laughs> do what they do, and they can afford to do this because of how, how strong their team is. But they have so much money that I didn't think playing like you know, nickel and diming someone like Gavin Lux, who's already been to the majors and kind of proven he can he can deliver. Why in a short season you would want to bother um, screwing over your own player like that and upsetting him? Like I always say, I never understand arbitration where the idea is you actually take your player to court and tell everyone how horrible he is. And uh, you know, just it's it's just a weird bad faith move for a team that can afford not to do it. Uh, they don't have an outstanding option beside him. I know everyone likes Chris Taylor, Kiki. I mean, there's people that are going to play that spot, but he obviously should have been in there. Um, I assume he'll be up probably. I don't know what the exact date is. He'll be up within like, what, seven days, two weeks, within two yeah. weeks. But it's just completely unnecessary. You're not, you're not, this isn't Ryan Mountcastle. You're not the Orioles. What are you doing? <laughs> put, put him on the team. This is so weird. Well, I think it's there might be nickel and diming because right before we got on, it's kind of breaking the whole bets and Dodgers extension. And yeah. the one that just popped up on my phone is a is long term deal for at least so at least ten years, three hundred fifty million. So you know what? They might need to save a few million on Lux because they're about to sign Mookie to probably and uh that that, that contract's gonna be really bad the last three to four years probably. But it's okay because you get him through. <laughs> The first seven prime years. We're talking. We're talking about the Dodgers. So I have to throw out a name. Obviously, this wasn't their mess. Um, it was the Red Sox, but uh, Carl Crawford. Yeah. Um, I don't want to send. I don't want to. I like Mookie. He is good without speed, even. But I don't want to sign a speed guy to a ten-year deal. I love him this year, especially with the contract year. I think he may go. Well, you know, maybe not a contract year. Have he signed? I liked him to go balls out and actually put on the speed. If he signs a long-term deal, <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, that speed could go away sooner than not. So this, if I own bets, I'm not too jazzed about this. Yeah, I it's it's a lot. I feel like we can't decipher this and go through this in a quick podcast. So we're going to move on. But it is intriguing and it is interesting. And I do agree that the speed might take a little hit compared to – I was kind of with you with the whole it was going to be a – 
like a balls to the wall, go get paid type of deal, especially with the uncertainty of 2022. Yeah. But the big thing I wanted to talk to you about, because those are just a little bit of news and notes. I wanted to talk about the Blue Jays, obviously going to play in Pittsburgh. It's a downgrade. It's an upgrade for the pitchers, but we don't care about pitchers on this podcast. It's a little bit of a downgrade for the hitters, but not necessarily all of them. And you guys over there at Roto Fanatic, you guys have your own park factors you've come up with, and you've already discussed and put out there how it should affect hitters. So please tell us who wins, who loses, or who at least breaks even from this move and what your thoughts are on all this. Sure. First, a quick park factors 101 for everyone out there who hasn't really used them or maybe doesn't have a lot of experience with them. Uh, the initial park factors that came out were a single number. Those are a waste of time. Single numbers are okay for pitchers because you don't know who they're going to be facing. Um, and you can kind of get a single number and get an idea of what you, what can you expect in your own ballpark for hitters. You need, you like, you don't care about the, you know, like who cares about center field uh, in Detroit, if you're going to be pulling the ball to left or right field, you want to know, what part of the what part of the park is is going to be an issue? So, uh, Roto Fanatic, we not only break it down uh, directional park factors as far as left uh, left field, center field, right field, and there's some great positional ball park factors. Max Freeze does good ones. Uh, we actually break it down into left field, left center, center right, center, and right field because um, right field is not going to tell you a lot for a guy like Max Kepler who pulls the ball directly down the line. <laughs> who can actually take advantage of the pesky pull if he's in Boston. Uh, Yasiel Puig doesn't necessarily pull everything to dead left. He pulls things to left center. So you kind of want to know the different kinds of the ballparks that go here. So uh, we, you know, you go to rotofanatic.com. We list all the different parks and we break them down into uh, left-handed and right-handed hitters and all if I don't, you know, I don't really know what you're going to do with all, but you know, it's there. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's more useful for pitchers. But uh, we'll break we don't it care down about into, pitchers. You keep yeah, this pitcher talk out of here. But um, <laughs> yeah, we break it down into average singles, doubles, triples, home runs, slugging, Wobacon, RBI con, and it's 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 on the you know the uh, the one hundred system. Like if anyone's uh, OPS plus weighted runs created plus one hundred is league average. Uh, so any you know one hundred one, you are one percent above league average. Ninety nine, you are one percent below league average. So that's how you read the park factors. So getting into the actual parks we care about, uh, Rogers Center going to PNC Park. Everyone off the top of your head, you assume this is terrible because they have something really funky going on in center, left center field, where they kind of got this divot out there that goes all the way to like 410. And it's just like kind of a just a weird, a weird park. So overall, yeah, if, if you just had to say, if you just had to make a blanket statement, yes, this isn't ideal, but it's mostly not ideal for the right-handed hitters. Um, down the left field line for Rogers Center, you were looking at 328, 375, and like kind of a dead even 400 in center field. Um, in Pittsburgh, you're looking at 325, very, very limited amount of time. It like almost immediately like there's no flat wall like there is in Rogers Center. Rogers Center it's 328 in a straight gradual increase like a normal ballpark, you know, like a curve. In uh in Pittsburgh it's 325 and then this gigantic angle straight up where it almost goes directly out to where it's in center field. So you go from 325 to like 383 like almost instantaneously. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so Bichette uh, Guriel, Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, obviously Vlad, you know, with his exit velocity can hit the ball very hard. So there's some people where park factors don't matter. I feel like everyone's Vlad's like one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, but overall in a short season where one or two home runs can matter, this sucks, 
right? Sure. Because over a full season, it may not matter a ton because you can make up ground here or there. But if it robs you of one home run, two home runs, three home runs, it's a big deal. Um, Bo Bichette is a, is a, you know tends to go to opposite field sometimes, so it may not sting him as much. But overall, he's going to be uh, having a lot of his pull power out to left field. So this affects him. This affects um, Lords Guriel, um, and. You know, the, I mean, that's pretty much the primary guys. The, the people that doesn't bother as much as Travis Shaw and Kevin Biggio because right field is actually not too bad. And in, in fact, in PNC, it's actually better uh, than Rogers Center. Uh, Rogers Center, again, 328, slow gradual out to 375 and 400. Um, in uh, Pittsburgh, it starts at 320, and it's actually a pretty flat wall out in right field. <laughs> so their, their actual extreme right field before it goes out to like kind of right center, it kind of stays a little, it kind of stays low, like a, a, a low wall and it, and it kind of stays kind of gradual up, up until the kind of nightmare that is left center. So <laughs> yeah, right, right, right-handed, uh, our left-handed pull power is, is actually a good place to be. So uh, this is known as like kind of a, a bad ballpark for hitters, but for left-handers, it's not too bad at all, um, especially the kind of left center. So, yeah, that's uh, Kevin Biggio. If, if anyone's out there just assuming this is just bad, he's someone I'd kind of go out there and try to grab because for someone that doesn't have enormous power, he can't kind of take any advantage he can get, and I think this is one. It one people don't truly understand. Um, and then for – this one thing I I did an article on like who can hit 400. Brian Reynolds was my number one candidate to fit 400. If anyone didn't read the article, don't like, don't like poo poo the idea. The I you know we're not talking about who could win the batting title because there's a difference between who can win the batting title and who can hit 400. To hit the batting title, you just have to be a good hitter. To hit 400, you have to be a good hitter and have a lot of skills that can translate into BABIP, you know BABIP based luck. Um, and you know, Brian Reynolds is one of those guys who plays every day in Pittsburgh, uh, who can do that. Cause he, uh, he hits the ball hard. He hits line drives. That isn't many fly balls and has a decent amount of sprint speed. So Pittsburgh for PNC, that's actually plays pretty well for a guy like Biggio who literally, I don't, I think that he led the entire, I believe he led the entire league in line drives people look up barrel percentage barrel. You think hitting the ball in the barrel, that's actually not what barrels are. It's kind of misleading. Barrels is made up based on exit velocity and launch angle. You want to look at like sweet spot percentage on uh, if you want to get an idea that's actually shows you how many balls are literally hit on the barrel of the bat. And no one does that better than Kevin Biggio. So um, he's someone here where it looks like a major downgrade for the rest of the team. I love this for Kevin Biggio. If you were hoping for, to try to maybe get a little extra batting average. Maybe if he's a little more aggressive at the plate, doesn't take literally like 12, pitch, 12 <laughs> pitches per at bat. Uh, if he's at all aggressive, he could luck out here. He could get a little pop, a little extra pop out to right, right center. And he uh, might be able to have a few more balls drop into the outfield. You know, uh, you know, having a big outfield is bad for home runs, but for someone who just hits line drives, uh, there's a lot of real estate you got to cover. And I was just thinking real quick that the whole, Bichette and Biggio like if the ballpark being playing a little bigger obviously or the outfield plays a little bigger that could lead to more stolen base attempts because they might not less home runs equals more doubles or more singles even just more you know base hits in theory hopefully not fly outs and maybe they get on base more to just run more I mean that's all I mean that's uh, that's also a possibility and honestly I would welcome the stolen bases before I welcome the home runs at this point anyway yeah yeah I yeah kind of the same idea so I mean yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of different things that you can take away from. Yeah, there's just from, so much. 
there's just yeah there's just there's a ton there's a ton to look for so um yeah it, overall not ideal because i said yeah. vlad bichette guriel you i know, do like he, travis shaw though man I, I don't know why i can't quit him i think we and you talked about travis shaw in the background anyone looks at baseball savant you look at what he did when he was good and then you look what he is now there's no real difference he in had the, an issue with his swing. He was saying something about changing his stance, or he couldn't really get his. He was having like a hard time with the swing last spring, which is what caused the issues in spring with like all those strikeouts in spring training and all that. And then he never really got it together, obviously, in the season. And you look at it, there was a huge spike in his K rate, which he's never been. He's never struck out more than twenty five percent of the time since he's been a major leaguer, and it was thirty three percent last year. But his walk rate was still thirteen point three percent, which was the same as twenty eighteen. And with that type of walk rate, you obviously see the ball well. I'm not really worried about him seeing the ball. Well. He just wasn't able to put the bat on the ball last year. And I think he bounces back batting cleanup, even in PNC does not concern me. I still like him this year and he's cheap and free. Well, here, look at this for anyone interested in Travis Shaw. This is this fast. He's one of the most fascinating hitters in baseball. He really is. As far as if you're into data analysis his exit velocity every year, which you assume was bad. You assume everything was bad last year. This is since 2015 is exit velocity. 88.6, 88.6, 88.5. 88.9 last year, 89. He actually, hit the, I mean, basically the same, but he actually hit the ball as hard as he ever had, but it's basically always the same number. Sweet spot, which I said, that's basically when you're hitting the ball on the barrel, 38.6, 34.2, 34.1, 31.2, and then back up to 34 last year. Not a lot of deviation. And he hit the ball on the barrel like he typically would um, back when he was doing really well, 2016, 2017 launch angle. This is the weirdo one. 15.1, 16.1, 14.6, 16.7. Then last year, 24.6. What was he doing? I told you he was, and he's caught, <laughs> he, and he, like I said, he actually came out and talked about how he couldn't get his swing under control. So and it was like a, like an issue with his swing. Like I think he was trying to change it for maybe he was one of those, maybe trying to adapt, put more balls in the air and it kind of yeah. bit him in the butt. But regardless on that note, I think you and I will go down rabbit holes for an hour for like we can <laughs> so i'm gonna call quits here matt thank you for joining me and again on, on your way out just remind everybody where they can find you and all that i uh, can find me pretty much primarily on rotofanatic.com i have uh, articles up there now about who's most likely to hit 400 uh i uh, if you I, I i talked about how to rebuild a first rounder but obviously most drafts are over the roto frankenstein and uh the most interesting one i just wrote six thousand words on things to look for early in the season i basically break down a lot of hitters and show you a as far as things like, you know, batted ball profile, play discipline, things you should look for in the first couple of weeks where maybe you can uh, move on from someone earlier or maybe uh, trade targets. Copy that. And as always, guys, we appreciate you listening. Again, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Williams, Matt, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. You can follow me as well. I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. We appreciate you listening, guys. Good luck in the season. Baseball tomorrow. So exciting. But until then, we will talk to you soon.